You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. It truly is a privilege to be in this pulpit today, and um, hopefully God will guide us as we meet together. If I had three sermons to preach in my lifetime, this would be one of them. Uh, The first one would be how to walk in the power of the Spirit. The second one I'm preaching today, that God is good and God is sovereign. The third is that uh, God causes all things to work together for the good, for those that are called according to his purpose, and also the best is yet to come. So will you join me in prayer? Lord, today, may your word be preached. May I be your voice by the power of your Spirit to bring hope healing, point the way to salvation, to bring peace and show people the covenantal love you have toward us, and to reach out to those who do not yet know you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. In our lives, in our lifetime, there will be circumstances, there will be tragedies, there will be death, there will be COVID-19 that may question whether God is completely good or God is completely sovereign. Both are true. The attributes of God, of his, of his goodness, of His caring, of His sovereignty are completely and irrevocably a part of His character, as well as His holiness, His faithfulness, His mercy, His grace, His loving kindness. All these things are part of who our God is and that He is sovereign over everything. But we have a choice in these matters. We can take our circumstances and interpret our view of God and our view of Scripture based on what we're going through at this point or what we have gone through. Or we can take what we know about God is true from His Word and the character of God and place it on our circumstances and let God direct us in that area. And obviously, I'm coming from the point of what God, who God is, and what he, His Word says about Him is true, and then our circumstances we try to figure out, and we will never totally figure out, based on God's plan and God's character. Everyone has a story, and ours was March 6, 1983. Ann and I were on staff with Campus Crusade, now crew. We had been on staff since 1974, right out of college. I was an area director based out of Richmond, Virginia. We'd gone to Williamsburg to see my director and his wife who had their first child. It was a wonderful day. We were there and and were able to visit with them, and our children were almost three and one. We came back home, and it wasn't within an hour after we got back home, and we received a phone call from Monticello, Florida, where Ann was from, and her sister said, your father has been shot four times, and then later, the, the verdict, he had been killed. It was a person that they allowed to live with them for six years that called them mom and dad. We went through two different trials. She was sentenced to 25 years, and then were on a technicality. They let her go. And we had to work through this idea of God being good and God being sovereign, even though we knew both were true. And even 
and particularly dealing with the area of forgiveness of this person that took her father and our children's grandfather um, to heaven. And that's why I come to this passage in John 11. Because in John 11, I think God answers these questions. You have almost a whole lifetime in this one chapter where we have the raising of Lazarus and what takes place and how Jesus works with the people that three of the most precious people to Jesus on earth, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Let me begin with John 11, chapter 1. It says, Now there was a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So his sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so that when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after it, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. Very interesting, this first part of John chapter 11. When Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus that he was ill, they expected Jesus to come. They expected Jesus to come and heal Lazarus. Just like many times when we pray, we ask God for something, and we believe we're in God's will, we believe that we are doing what he has called us to do, and we expect him to fulfill what we believe is his plan for our life, and he doesn't do it. And that's what Mary and Martha faced. And Jesus waited two extra days to make sure that Lazarus was dead. Three days in Jewish tradition, the spirit would uh, leave the body, so he waited one extra to make sure no one would have a question what he was about to do. The other thing I love about this passage, it points out that Mary was the one that anointed Jesus' feet with her hair. And that's in the very next chapter of John, in John 12. We also know that Mary, in Luke 10, chose the best things to be with Jesus when Martha was busy about making preparations. Martha, in my opinion, was an A personality. But Jesus, in this passage, says he loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So those of us, like myself, that might be so busy getting preparations that we forget about just being with Jesus, this passage makes sure we understand that Jesus loved us just as much as he loved Mary and he loved Lazarus. Well, let's pick it up with the rest of this part, the early part. He's explaining to the disciples why he's delaying, that, that they're going to see the glory of God and they don't get it. And uh, but then, then it picks up in verse 17. It says, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had been already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. 
Martha said to Mary, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give it to you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Martha, you would expect, would be the first one to meet Jesus. She's the activist. She went to Jesus and said, basically, Lord, I can't believe you didn't come. You truly disappointed me. And if you would have been here, if you'd have come when we sent for you, my brother wouldn't have died. But what I believe Martha was asking here was, God, are you still in control? Are you still sovereign over everything that we do, everything that we say, the whole world? And Jesus met her at that point and said, I am the resurrection and the life. It doesn't matter what the world says is going on. I can take care of this in my time and according to my plan. I am in control. And you don't have to worry about my sovereignty. It's interesting, it goes on. He treated Mary in a totally different way. It says in verse 28, when, when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. The same statement that Martha made, God, why didn't you come? I knew if you would have come, my brother wouldn't have died. I don't understand. But Mary is a much, from, seems from the passage, much more of an emotional person. And that's where Jesus met her, to show her that I'm good, that I care. And it says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could he not have opened the eyes of the blind man? Could he also have kept this man from dying? Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible, I was talking to some guys that were memorizing Scripture early on, and they said even he got this wrong. He said Jesus cried. But Jesus wept. And we don't know the full understanding of why he wept. Obviously, he wept because of the people around him were weeping, and they were grieving, and they were sorrowful, and Mary and Martha was. 
He could have been weeping because death never needed to come into this world if we'd have been obedient to what God had asked us to do in the garden. He could have wept that he had to go to the cross to atone for our sins so that, so that we could have a relationship with him. There were so many things Jesus probably wept over as he wept over Jerusalem. But he showed Mary that he cared, that he is still good. And whatever you're going through in terms of what the virus is going on right now, what, whatever situation that you're in, God is good. God is sovereign. It is true. Now, if I'd have been Jesus knowing that I was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, which he did, I would have come in like John Wayne or Jason Bourne or maybe even Liam Nelson. I told my kids, I'm not those people, so don't get in that trouble. But Jesus didn't do that. He certainly could have. But he showed Mary he cared. You know, 42 verses of this chapter, he prepares them for the miracle that was going to take place in verse 43, where he did raise Lazarus from the dead. And of course, word went out throughout all of Bethany and Jerusalem and just before the triumphal entry that what Jesus had done. So Jesus is sovereign. Jesus cares. So how do we apply that today as we're all facing this virus that we've been asked to be distant from each other, we've been asked to stay in our homes, we have asked to be in isolation. It's so different from 9-11 where we had a common enemy and we came together as a nation and sought God and and join forces to do this. Today, we're said just the opposite, stay away from each other. And that's difficult. In the recession of 2008, 2009, I had so many businessmen that I didn't want to get isolated because when you get isolated, you get fearful. You start thinking wrongly. And so my suggestions, I know you've heard many, but I'd have just a few. One is, don't be afraid. How often in Scripture does God say, don't be afraid? Peace be with you. I am with you always. Seven times in Deuteronomy 31 and Joshua 1, he says, don't be afraid. Go into the promised land. A whole generation missed out because they were fearful when God said, I've got this. So don't be fearful. Secondly, don't be isolated. We have technology like this that we can reach out to each other. We can do texts, we can do emails. Yes, we can even use the phone to talk to people. Teleconferences, conference calls. I had one of the best appointments yesterday over the phone. Got a lot more information than if I'd have met him face to face. There's a lot we can do to reach out to people. And along with that area, I'd say reach out to others with grace, caring for needs in the gospel. It's a great opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ and to love our neighbor as ourself, to look for opportunities to offer hope and perspective. I would say find those passages of Scripture that give victory. Find those songs that mean a lot to you and sing them. Listen to praise songs. I read this morning that a lady said she was going to pray Psalm 91 for 91 days. 
think of those things that can really uplift our spirits and share them with others. If you don't know Christ, now's the time to examine him and come to know him. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so it's an opportunity to take God his word and say, I can be your savior. I can show you I'm good. I have a plan for your life. I'm sovereign. And then those of us that know Christ, we can go deeper. We have more time on our hands than we normally do. No sporting events, no having to go to school, all these different things that challenge us in other areas. But we can't say we don't have time. We do have time to grow deeper with him. So let me reiterate, God is good. God is sovereign. He is both. God has got this. As believers, these circumstances will work out for our good. And remember, the best is yet to come. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the body of Christ. I thank you for the fact that we are not isolated, that you're with us every step of the way. And you use people in our lives. You use uh, circumstances. You use gifts of kindness, people that encourage us through text or emails or phone calls. Lord, help us to be instruments of your grace during this time and point people to you because you are the Savior of the world, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And so we look to you for this. And now by the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, even Jesus Christ our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his work, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ our Lord to glory forever and ever. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.